You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning. It can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You got that good raspy, like, post kimchi voice going yeah, on. That, that lunch is hanging on. This is really good. Uh <laughs> Just so we give you a heads up for the next couple of episodes, this is actually the last one that we are pre-recording before I go out of the country for a little while and am unable to record weekly. So shows may be a little bit shorter, this one may be a little bit shorter, and content may be not as timely. Our regular weekly recordings will resume in April. And of course, we apologize for the inconvenience and hope you enjoy. Please keep your arms and legs inside the cabin at all times. Thank you. All right. Before we get into it, let's get something to drink. Thank you. There we go. Get do another one. So what's that pop? Why is it? Why does it got that pop? It's when the lid pops off. That's, pop- that's actually popping the lid. I've never popped a lid. How do you do that? I don't know. I just I just pull up and so it, here's here's a story though about <laughs> me trying to open a beer in a hotel room. When you go and travel for work and you don't bring anything with you, you will do anything. I scoured the internet to figure out how to open a bottle of beer in my hotel room without a bottle opener. Some articles I was reading or some posts suggested using the edge of a table. But of course, in a hotel room, I'm super unlikely to want to do that because I don't want that being charged to my credit card. I've seen people do that, and I it just I fear me. I fear breaking my table. Yeah, to, or or granite or putting. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is; it's metal onto a surface. It can't be good. Yeah. So the alternate way I found of doing this is to actually use one of the coat hangers that are attached still to okay. the rack, the, the kind that don't come off. Okay. Have you seen those? Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. So you can put it in between the part that has the circle and the part that actually oh, yeah, holds yeah. the clothes. Like with the two with the two wires right yes. through it. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Okay. And you can put the beer bottle in between those and kind of use that as leverage on the cap okay. and pull that open. I I I don't I, know if have you ever heard that? I haven't heard that one, but I have two I have two related things. So. Okay. The first, um, I did the same thing. I did have a um, a bottle opener in a hotel, and I did the same thing. I looked around trying to figure out what to do. You can actually use the um, the door lock, the 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 flat ah. connecting part. Just jam it in and like use it as a sideways opener. Okay, okay. Especially in those bigger kind of industrial mm-hmm. like uh, Marriott style yeah, doors. Exactly. Or okay. So you can do that. I've done that. It it was a little little sketchy at first, but it worked. Um, the other option um, that I actually, on my wedding night after the reception, we were at a cabin and I was trying to open a beer to like hang out mm-hmm. and um, the the reception was all packed up and everybody was going home. So there's no bottle. Op- I ran over to where the reception was because we stayed very close to find a bottle opener. Yeah. Couldn't find one. There was a really awesome guy cleaning up and he showed me how to open a beer using a key. Okay. You, you just kind of, you work it around the edge till you can pop it up. Okay, just kind of prying pry, open. Yes, okay, pry it okay. little by little okay. until you get it open. See, I was going, I was going for more of the like, give me something scientific, something that'll actually give me leverage. Because I would, here I am, like trying to twist it off, or you're gonna hurt yourself. Oh right? yeah, you don't want to do that. I, I realize I really should have just got cans 
bottle was probably a bad choice, but this was, oh my gosh, this was back in 2009. Before canning was hot. Yeah, way before. This was like, all craft beer was in shorty, like 12 ounce bottles that were kind of, kind of round. Um, Yeah, just, anyway, it just makes me think of that um, because we didn't, I don't think we've done a regular 12 ounce bottle on this show before. Um, No, we'd mostly done cans and then we had the Umami Monster, um, that was in a, a large format, um, seven fifty, I think. Yeah. All right, listeners are screaming at us okay, right now. Let's get let's, going. let's get into what beer we're drinking <laughs> right now. All right, so today we are having the very delicious Oberon Ale from Bell's Brewery. Um, we recently had a badge for this uh, beer, so I picked some up and decided to bring it in because I found out that Mr. Kyle has never had this one. I've never had it. This so this is a, an American wheat ale. It is five point eight percent. It is released every year in the springtime. It's kind of like um, Bell's leading into summer seasonal. Um, and when you basically take a drink, they say American wheat ale, but you aren't really thinking like, you're, to me, a wheat ale is like a Hefeweizen or something fruity and right. like clear and not going to be hoppy. Um, and this, this is nothing like that. This is in its own league. And the interesting thing is, is that um, Oberon Ale is made with only four ingredients and they're very, they, this is a very big piece of it. Um, basically it's made with Bell's signature house ale yeast, hops, water, and malt. There's no spices added. Really? So all of the, the spice character and all of the real, um, I mean, it, like you said, wheat, like almost, um, Belgian coriander-esque notes of the, the spice and everything is only coming from the ingredients and how, I guess, fresh and kind of mm-hmm. springy the, all this is. Mostly, I think, from the um, Bell Signature House yeast that they have. Yeah, I get a lot of yeast. Yeah, and it, it once you taste it, you get like kind of the spicy, a little bitter, um, but it the end of it is very bright and um, kind of citrusy like you would expect from a wheat ale. So good. So it's just, just this hybrid of like, it satisfies my need for something kind of bitter and hoppy, mm-hmm. but also... It's refreshing and clean. Totally, totally. And I b- do believe they do can this. So we could have got the can version. <laughs> I, I, I just happened to pick up a six-pack while I was out. Ah, see, this would be great in a six-pack. I, I got that a few days ago, and these are the last two. Oh, man. That's how good it is. Yeah. I uh, So I, I think I, this is great. This is, this is reminds me a lot of, I guess, the kind of the feeling I have right now. Baseball starting. Uh the sun is out, not today, but this, in general, <laughs> the sun is out and, you know, things are warming up. You want something refreshing. You want something that's cold. Uh, this, it just, it screams summer. Even the branding obviously is just like a big bright sun. Um, it says, says spring, says summer to me. Exactly. And it is, it is released in leading into summer from bells every year. All right, gotta put that down. I'm just That's gotta, really good. I just gotta try and help you reach your um, elite status. I know I you're working on it. <laughs> I am. Uh, this past weekend, I worked real hard on that. Oh, you did. I did. You you still have notifications. I turned. On for I me? had my notifications turned on for you. That's how I saw. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I went to a place called the Wall in uh, Orange, downtown Orange, and they it's a verified venue that has the self service bracelets or cards. So you scan your RFID card. It goes straight to your uh, tab, and you can pour from one ounce to eight ounces to 12. You can go back as many times as you want 
try as many of the beers as you want. A sampler's dream. It was a unique hunter's dream. There we go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great. Have any of you had this one? Let us know what you thought on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us at Untapped. So we did get a response on Twitter to a segment we did in episode three about cold beer cheese. Mm. I remember we did that. I had never heard of it. It's something that you are familiar with and quite enjoy. Um, Andrew Sawyer on Twitter, he recommended that we try Alehouse Cheddar from Vermont Farmstead. So it looks like Vermont Farmstead takes a bunch of what, two or three different types of beers and combines them with cheddar, cheddar cheese to create these sort of you know blocks of cuttable not spreadable cheese yeah a little different from what my expectation of beer cheese is but i like this idea like this is sandwichable exactly this is something that i could put on top of a cracker rather than spread on it and and try and turn it into a chip and dip situation you could put this in a grilled cheese you could mind blown this that sounds incredible i have actually hop salt at home that i use on occasion oh rogue rogue what? rogue makes a hop salt okay so good they we may have to have like a kyle's cooking corner because <laughs> i cook with a lot of different beer ingredients and this is this is one i need to add to my repertoire that sounds good i'm all for that segment mm. they this place also does have something called a chetty topper which is a cheddar oh. cheese made with heady topper from the alchemist <laughs> I would love to try that. So would I. I've, the thing is, though, would, do I... Hold on. Do I need to try Hetty Topper before I try Chetty Topper? That is a good question. You definitely need to try Hetty Topper, but I don't know the order that you'll need to try them in. I think we're going to have to have a third level follow-up here where we get some of this cheese. Yeah. What are we, what are we cracking open today? Well, it's a cheese. Cheese day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to include a link in the show notes so that you can go check out the uh, delicious looking beer cheeses from Vermont Farmstead. Well, and speaking of cheesy, I've got a couple jokes for us here. It was just April Fool's Day this past weekend. And if you, if you missed the notice at the beginning of the show, this is pre-recorded, so we just passed April Fool's Day. Yep. And a number of breweries have decided to make Fun announcements, fake announcements, some seemingly very real announcements uh, about new beers that are coming out or new ways that they're brewing. Um, And the Chicago Tribune has a roundup and review of all of the different craft beer April Fool's tweets from the weekend. So I wanted to go over a couple that came across my radar and see what you thought about them, Tim. If you did miss, we did cover uh, one of these last week uh, with the Brewolingo. That's right. That's right. Duolingo's new language learning beer. But of course, seeing that it was the weekend, we had to wait until Sunday for all of these to come out. Yeah. Boulevard Brewing Company says, New England may have the juice, but KC got the sauce. They say they're redefining haze with their newest Brewhouse One series, Turnt Ends. It is literally barbecue sauce in a glass <laughs> the branding's great 
the mustache and the like dot on the nose uh, of these folks enjoying a glass full of barbecue sauce is a little off-putting, but this is a this is a really good joke. I saw the pictures in here and I was like, wait a second. That is the haziest looking like <laughs> red ale, red ale ever, ever. And then I realized what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. This, this one, I didn't have to double take on it. It was just, it was a great, great little like uh, funny joke on Twitter. One brewery that I actually had on the day of uh, Lamplighter Brewing has a tweet here that says, they say the best ideas come from outside the box. Well, for our latest move, we're keeping things packed in. Head to Facebook and read more about our innovative beer packaging. Boxed beer. Boxed wine is already a thing. Why yep. can't beer be in a box? Boxed water, boxed wine. Come on. They, they've done like a, a really quick, clever, like throw your label on <laughs> top of a, a Zico, uh, whatever, boxed coconut water here. Uh, it's a good, good, quick joke. The uh, the next one here from Great Lakes is on the same part of there. Same level, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. New packaging. It's basically Great Lakes Brewing in a Capri Sun container. <laughs> That's very convenient. Very convenient. See, I've had beer through a straw. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. I had to take a a quote unquote closed container into a musical. It was in a theater. And I was drinking Sculpin out of a straw, and it was one of the worst beer experiences I've ever had. Yeah, the 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 fizziness of the, the bad, uh, bad, yeah. bad, 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 bad. No good. I also I also thoroughly like the um, Oregon legislature restricting hop usage. That's a pretty funny one, especially with the Pacific Northwest and all of their piney love up there. Yep, 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 yep. One of the ones that I did see and and shared with you uh, day of was Surly brewing company says they have pushed the brewing boundaries with the formulation of a crystal clear lager the photoshop job on these is wonderful it's a clear like uh like pepsi clear yeah uh or crystal pepsi looking uh liquid with a sort of light yellow foamy head on it it looks legit it looks real um, they have the article goes into a ton of detail about how this was brewed, <laughs> where they did the solid phase extraction, what kind of crystal malts they used, crystal clear malts. It's very clever, a really good read if you're into sort of like a behind the scenes on a a brewery and how something is brewed, but taken just to the next level. It's always nice when there's a nice level of detail yeah. in there. I one one last one to wrap it up, which I think you'll appreciate in that roundup that you had is a new Holland's new um, Dragon's Milk Reserve Pizza Bourbon Barrel Stout. Oh my goodness! This, their 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 Twitter post says um, basically uh, with basil, sun dried tomato, and a small amount of lactose sugar for a creamier body. Uh, Dragon's Milk Reserve Pizza brings two of our favorite things together. Enjoy cold or warmed up in the microwave. Oh. It's good at any temperature. <laughs> All right. That's that is taking it too far, but I mean we do we did say that stouts kind of do a little bit better, especially bourbon barrel aged stouts come into temperature to to like room temperature. If you're if you're tired of waiting, just pop it in the microwave. That's right. Oh my goodness. Pizza bourbon barrel stout. Great label on it though. I really like this. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, 
and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com, coupon code PODCAST to get 20% off. Let's move on to our Style of the Week segment and take a look at this week's featured beer style. Here's Tim with more. This week, we're going to take a look at the Weizenbeer. Why, you ask? Because Weizenbeer is German for wheat beer, and we are currently enjoying one. Cheers to that joke. Very good. I owe you for that one in a take that was not kept. <laughs> Just giving you the call out. Oh, no, no need. No need. Uh, so Weizenbeers have been brewed for over 600 years. Um, obviously, quite a long time. Well, it does have sort of that, like, old world beer flavor right i can imagine a beer like this that tastes like this being poured in in the gallons and gallons into a grog for ye olde 600 year old germans to drink like that sounds like beer to yes me. there there are some more ancient origins um dating back to hieroglyphs from the egyptian times um but really? the more modern take on it is about 600 years old okay I wonder if it was used in that time as like a purification method for water. Because I know in, in Egyptian times, in ancient times, that was typically the case uh, is to get rid of any contaminants in the water, make sure it was safe to drink, make sure it was safe to consume. In medieval times, I believe it was that beer was actually drank more than water for that purpose right. because it you got rid of all of the t- contamination that you would expect in there. Yeah. And added some pretty good things along the way, I think. So when the Weizenbeer first came about, the Degenberger clan had exclusive rights to brew the style for decades until that whole clan of people died out. Um, it was kind of like today's patent or trademark laws. That clan was the only one that was allowed by the government to uh, brew the Weizenbeer style. So kind of like the Colonel's 11 herbs and spices, <laughs> but but for German beer. Something like that. Okay. All right. Um, eventually after that clan died out, the privilege was passed on to the Bavarian Dukes. And then in 1589, Bavarian Duke Maximilian I built the Hofbrauhaus am Platzl, basically a classic beer hall, uh, which actually to this day still occupies the location of the Ducal Weiss Beer Brewery. I'm just going to get a, a verbatim translation of this because I think it's just beer house. The, um, basically Hofbrauhaus is a beer hall. Right. Hof, Hof, Hofbrau, Hofbrau House is basically just beer house. Yes. Am Platzl. And might, the Platzl is a place, I believe, in Munich. Yes. Beer Hall on Platzl, which is the street in Munich. There we go. There you go. All right. We speak German now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> At the time, the light-colored Weiss beer, uh, which is basically German for white beer, we learned about that, I believe, last episode. We did. Um, was the choice for most citizens and nobles and peasants. Basically, everyone enjoyed the Weiss beer. Um, but in the 1700s, popularity declined a bit due to improvements in um, barley malts, which kind of led to different uh, beers being produced. Hmm. Basically, the popularity died out as other beer styles became easier to create. Which we've seen a grand history of here on this show yes we should keep a running history of how many times beers, beers come have died and go out. what we need what we need you see we you, behind you you've got this big whiteboard we just need the like history of beer timeline and we'll just kind of put notches in 
Weizenbeer gone, uh, 1872, or sorry, 19th century, died out somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in this area. Yep. That way we just have sort of this running history of beer. That would be very, very interesting. May need to do that. <laughs> um, as you just pointed out, in the 19th century, uh, the Weiss beer almost died out due to its mass decline in popularity. Luckily for the style in 1872, the rights to brew Weiss beer were released to the public, so it was no longer limited to uh, the Dukes or to any specific clan of people. Now any brewery could create it. Um, that meant that Weizen beers could be produced by anyone and were no longer controlled by the royal government. It's really interesting because this, is, this gets into a level of law and understanding of government during this time that I don't have. I don't think any American history books ever cover something like this. We get into German politics in World War One and World War Two, and that's kind of it. And I'm sure the, the history of beer is sort of lost in that era as well, but pre-World War One German beer history has got to be just sort of ripe with, you know, tangles with German government and royalty and, and things like that. It, it's a very interesting history i think it is very much and you're absolutely right about it just being this big interesting web of things um as we learned last week with the pilsner um there was a law around who could officially create a pilsner beer having to be within that what was it the 50 mile um radius. 50 kilometer radius right. of pilsen germany you're right right yeah right. and then you obviously there's the purity law which we've talked about before right so there's all kinds of rules around beer and who can and cannot make certain styles yeah i mean we're we're coming up here uh during the recording uh, before national beer day we actually just released episode five which has a great interview with the uh, yes the founder founder of national beer day um so go check that out if you haven't listened to it yet please go check that one out um it has tie-ins to sort of American history and uh, American beer history and things like that. So, yeah, it's, re it's a really interesting lesson, I think. Biased, obviously. <laughs> now, getting back into the history of the Weizen beer, um, about the time that it became public for anyone to be able to brew, there were huge advancements in brewing techniques. Um, this caused the bohemian lagers and things of that style to become more popular, which yet again almost knocked the Weizen beer off the entire beer genre if you will yeah it sounds like the beer trends really came and went in germany uh and and even around the world it just was everyone drinks this style i feel kind of like that about ipas hazy IPAs <laughs> yes. right now but yeah it's very much just everyone has this style there it's it's like trends but instead of just something that's quick and fizzles out just longer term they didn't even have twitter as we've seen with a lot of the beers that we've covered on here, popularity of the Weizen beer uh, grew after World War II, and now they account for a significant portion of all of the beers sold in Bavaria and Germany. As with most styles that we've covered so far, uh, the style was eventually picked up and brought here to the United States, and in the 1980s, a classic brewery called Widmer Brothers began brewing the Bavarian-style Weizens in Portland, Oregon. Now, this is hugely popular, I think, in the craft beer scene now, currently. Widmer Brothers, namely from Portland, Oregon, are, you know, sort of your Northwest beer producer. When I think of Portland, Oregon, I think of Widmer Brothers. Like, classic wheat beers available at your local 
Fred Meyer, you know, like that, <laughs> that whole Northern area. Yeah. Yes, definitely. They were the first to bring the style here. So that would make sense. They kind of got a hold on the market really early there. Um, at the time when they were brewing it, they struggled uh, to manage some different yeast strains and eventually began using a more neutral alt beer yeast, which led to their Weiss beer not being as spicy as the authentic Bavarian yeast. Um, but eventually their Hefeweizen became a big hit in the U.S. nonetheless. Interesting. So, I mean, getting back to Bell's, the Oberon that we're drinking right now, this does sort of have more spicy characteristics to it. And I guess a lot of that could be coming from maybe my inexperience, one, with Weizen beers, and and two, just the, the more spicy, uh, authentic notes of the Bavarian yeasts or the, the German yeasts that are being added here. Yes, uh, and Bell's has their own kind of house ale yeast. Which kind um, of aligns with that, I, I assume. I would assume I have not dug down into that, hmm. but do that would know, make a lot of sense. Do you know if it's used in any other Bell's beers? Bell, Bell's yeast. There's an article on bellsbeer.com about how to culture your own house yeast from a bottle or can of Bell's beer. So if you're looking to brew it yourself, hey... That'd be, that'd be a way to do it. That'd be a very interesting read. Yeah. Huh. Curious. Hold on to that. We'll toss it in the show notes. Yeah. Most people are familiar with Weizens, especially in the form of like an American wheat ale or Hefeweizen. But um, some of the characteristics that make them what they are, are their golden orange color. Um, they're top fermented and contain usually 50% of malted wheat. Um, they're known for being a little fruity, mm-hmm. which I mean, a lot of... Uh, a lot of Hefeweizens, you can get that kind of citrusy, fruity thing from Blue, them. Blue Moon very characteristically is like orange. Yes, very much so. Um, and they're known for not being as bitter. There are actually several different variants on the Weizen category. You have your Hefeweizen, which is a more carbonated version um, due to a higher dose of yeast. Um, they're known for kind of being a little cloudy. You've got the Crystal Weizen. Uh, which is a Weizen beer that has been filtered. So they give it that sort of very clean um, crystal look uh, with the crystal being a German word for crystal, as in like crystal clear. Um, The name being K-R-I-S-T-A-L for those who are listening and not looking at my show notes here. (laughs) You've also got the Dunkelweizen, um, which are known for kind of more of an intense flavor in their dark appearance. Uh, A Weizenbach, which is a stronger, darker Weizen, typically brewed in the fall. And then rounding out here, which is what we're enjoying right now, you have an American wheat ale, um, which is top fermented, usually fruity, um, like the standard Bavarian style of beer. And it's commonly used as a base for fruit beers, which does make sense for a lot of like fruit beers. They tend to be like a wheat fruit beer. Yeah. Um, I think Eel River, Eel River does a Asahi Berry Wheat fruit beer. That's what I'm thinking of. I've had it. I've had that. I haven't had an Oberon. Let's look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. First up, we have an article from yankodesign.com entitled From Zero to Chill in 60 Seconds. Now, warm beer. Where do you stand, Kyle? I don't stand. I can't stand it. It's bad. It's very bad. It's not the pizza beer. Now, the pizza beer warmed up is something else. That that one might be interesting. I'll go give you that. It might be okay. Anything with alcohol at room temperature tends to be rather off-putting. Yeah. Um, even warm beer. Like, you, you get it straight from the aisle in a store, and it wasn't chilled, and it's just kind of 
yeah, you know, yep. it's it's room temp. It's not great. No. It really isn't, especially it, with hops. With with other beverages, you have options. You have ice. Unfortunately, that'll dilute whatever it is you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, you know, wrap a... If, if we're talking beer, you'd wrap a wet paper towel around it and throw it in the freezer. I did that for our last episode that we did remote. I oh, needed, to, did? I needed okay. to cool that down real quick. Mm-hmm. I put a wet paper towel around it, threw it in the freezer for about 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Work like a charm. I have seen also these instant coolers at uh, Total Wine before. It's like a little liquid bath that you submerge your bottle into. Okay. You're supposed to leave it there for a little bit. It like instantly chills it. Okay. Um, obviously, you're not going to just throw one of those in your house either. Well, so, and you you do need to probably chill it prior to like it needs to be like you've seen the um the wine corks the icicle that mm-hmm. kind of goes into the middle of the wine oh, and you okay. can leave that in there for a little while. Interesting. No, I haven't seen that. It's not great for and, beer because it would you know it would cause you to lose all your carbonation. Yep. And even with all of these things that we're discussing here, even all of these um, solutions eventually it's going to warm up because you're drinking it. It's just going to warm up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a problem here. We see a problem. Now there is a solution. This... Ice. <laughs> no. Okay. We, we talked right. about ice already. <laughs> it's going to dilute your drink. And you're, you're not right, going to put... If you put ice in your beer, then that's a whole other level here than just drinking it through a straw, okay? Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what, what's the solution? What did, uh, what did they come up with? <laughs> All right. So this article goes on to discuss the cup cooler instant, which is coming from a company called Alocaco. Basically, they created a new device that is designed to chill your refreshment. It could be beer. It could be soda. It could be whatever it is. It could be uh, water. Mm-hmm. It's designed to chill it in a matter of minutes. Um, it requires no preparation. And basically, you plug it in. In 60 seconds, it's ready to go. Um, it's a small little tabletop device. Um, it kind of looks like a cup warmer, but it's got a um, like it's got a copper looking sleeve that comes up out of it. And basically, it sits on your tabletop. It'll keep your beverage chilled until your very last sip. Wow. Okay. So, All right. So your the intent here with the design is for you to grab your beverage, keep it in there for a few minutes, cool it off, take a sip, put it back, and use it like a cup holder almost. Exactly. Except a cup holder that within 60 seconds of switching on will cool to negative 12 degrees Celsius. So it's, it's like the opposite of a hot plate. It's, it's, a, it's a cold plate. It's going to keep your drink at a constant temperature between zero degrees and five degrees Celsius. And it's going to make sure that every sip tastes exactly the same all the way through to the end. No, no ice dilution, no warm last sip, no tossing it back in the fridge. You can set this thing on your desk, on your couch on your table, whatever you need. Wow. Um, And it looks pretty cool. It does. There are some really interesting product photography uh, shots here. Ice cream coming out of the top, someone pouring water into it, someone pouring berry Fanta into it. I don't think it's intended for it to be, like, you don't drink out of this, but you this is weird. This is strange. I I kind of I kind of want one. Hold on. What you can drink out of it. So the copper cup that sits on top isn't just the vessel that can kind of cool the sides of it. You can drink from it. You can take the copper cup off the top and drink from it. This is the ultimate Moscow Mule. It is. It really, really is. And for for fifty five bucks, I will gladly order one of these for the office. You'll, we'll need two. We'll need two, yes. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah but uh, that this is really interesting. I I feel like I would need to find other uses for this to be able to justify the cost and and 
the waiting on Kickstarter for this because if history repeats itself as it does for most of the things I back on Kickstarter, it's just going to be three years of waiting and then me having to email support and say, hey, by the way, you're selling this product before I even got it. Could I could I get mine now, please? Thanks. It tends to have I'm bitter. I'm sorry. You know, it's the bitterness is yeah. coming through. <laughs> it is. <laughs> also, I didn't I didn't realize it was a Kickstarter. So I sh- probably should have started with that. So I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> Here's a use that they show in the video. Yogurt. Warm yogurt. Bad. Bad. Cold yogurt. Perfect. Usually you keep yogurt in the fridge, though. So that's maybe less of a use. Yeah, case. but while you're eating it, if you take your time. True. True. True, true, true. Get distracted. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You can come back to it, and it's perfectly, uh, perfectly chilled. I would just need more uses for this than my beer. I mean, I do have, I, I do have quite a number of beers. This wouldn't hold a twenty-two ounce bottle. That's the other thing. I wonder. A, a can should fit in there. We've got three shelves full of cans. <laughs> How many can we stack for it to be able to? Uh, Does the cold cool? conduction go yeah. up the cans? That's what I'm wondering. How, mm-hmm. how many do we stack? Just put a, a sleeve of. All Cans. right, for science. For science, absolutely. Next up from Esquire.com, we have Budweiser and Jim Beam are making a beer together. Okay. That, I mean, that makes sense. Two, two, alcohol, two huge alcohol producers in the world partnering up to make a beer is, is interesting. Is it a bourbon barrel-aged Budweiser? Well, we'll, we'll get into that, but okay. you're, you're, you're leaning in the right direction here. Um, so it's kind of an American classic or tradition to have a bourbon and a beer. You see that special in like your. It's like a sake it, bomb it, a little bit. You see it in dive bars. You you order a bourbon and you also get a can of beer. You chase your bourbon with your beer. And it's just, it's, it's kind of an American tradition. Okay. Um, I, I've seen it in bars. Um, I've seen people do it. So with this tradition in mind, Budweiser and Jim Bean decided to come together and they spent a year collaborating on this sort of beer, bourbon, crossover, what could it be? And the result of that was Budweiser Reserve Copper Lager. Speaking of copper. Yeah. We're tying everything together we right are. now. We are, yes. Uh, this is going to be a new beer that is going to be brewed with two-row barley and aged on Jim Beam bourbon barrels. I was right. Yeah, you were spot on. <laughs> That's a first. I mean, it's, Whether or not they're just going to dump your general Budweiser into mm-hmm. the barrels is... More than likely, Different I question. Mean, yeah, more than likely not, just because you're, you're trying to kind of complement the flavor of both of them, obviously. They want to work together uh, to make something complimentary. Yes, and so putting it into these barrels is going to give it this toasty oak aroma with kind of like a nutty taste, hmm. um, and they're also getting some caramel and vanilla notes. See, when I think of Jim Beam, I'm going back to one of the April Fool's jokes, and I think of barbecue sauce. Because, like, I don't drink Jim Beam, but if it's a Jim Beam barbecue sauce, like a bourbon barrel barbecue sauce, oh my goodness, it is, it's so good. Kind of, you know, you got that smoky and kind of woodsy taste to it. Sweet and tangy, obviously. Yeah. And then I think of barbecue and I think of Budweiser and I, and just the, the two of those things together. They are complementary, but in a very kind of fuzzy you know disassociative type of way like they kind of both come back to barbecue for me so i'm wondering if they're they're going to be able to embody a little bit of that in in this collaboration 
sort of my personal feel. You know, I, they're all think, they're always thinking about me. What, what, how can we make Kyle happy? <laughs> it does sound very interesting, and I would be interested in trying it. Um, I'll have to keep an eye out for it. But it does not come out until the fall, the idea being that they are timing it with the uh, 85th anniversary of the repeal of Prohibition, or as the article likes to say, a.k.a. when America became legally fun again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really good. Well, that's I know National Beer Day is coming up here while we're recording. Um, I, again, am very interested to kind of follow this American history of where beers have gone, um, w- what the history of beers and their repeals and their, you know, changes to the amendments and things like that are. Uh, and I'm hoping to learn a little bit more about that through kind of beer collaborations and education like this. It's an interesting proposition, I think. All right, next up, we've got an article from CBS Local in Denver. It's a local Denver story. Denver's parks could soon allow full-strength beer. And a change in state law means the parks in Denver could soon allow full-strength beer. Speaking of barbecues, this may actually change the whole landscape of Independence Day in Denver. That is true. Currently, if you don't know, that it is legal to drink in public parks as long as it is below 3.2 ABV. Which these days is kombucha in my books. Anything else is probably over 3.2. There's not a whole lot that you can have that is, I mean, at least in craft beer, right? Availability session IPAs aren't even lower than 3.2. This is true. I mean, this is, it's like hairspray. What, <laughs> what can you drink that is less than that? Yeah. You're basically talking like a watered-down IPA here. Hop water. There we go. Mix your hop water. You probably can't do mixed drinks. You can't have the package itself. Anyway, so a new law in 2019 will eliminate 3.2 alcohol, as you mentioned, as a legal category, meaning that potentially you could, in Denver Parks and Rec situations, have the ability to drink over that. Now, it sounds like it's still in consideration. So this isn't a law that is going to be voted on or passed, but in Denver Parks and Rec, this is something that they could consider now that 3.2 alcohol as a legal category will no longer exist. Exactly. And they are looking for public input on this. There is a link to a survey uh, from this uh, news story. Uh, So we'll definitely have the link to the story in the show notes. And if you are a Denver resident and want to chime in, there will be a link in that article uh, to give your feedback. Cool. Our last article here is something very positive for the craft beer world, and it's coming to us from the BrewersAssociation.org. It is a press release that they put out that says, American craft beer exports surpass $125 million. Wow. So this is very specifically American craft beer leaving the States and going out to other countries? Exactly. This is our um, international exports. Very curious, because I, I'm, again... When this is released, I will be out of the country. So I'm really interested to see what kind of American beer is available. I know that there is a American craft beer bar in one of the cities that I'm going to. So I'm interested to stop there just to kind of see what's available, what folks are importing. Even at the baseball stadium I'm going to, I want to see what beer is there. It'll, it'll be, I think, an interesting look at what parts of my home are being exported and uh, what parts from the place I'm going to are being brought over here and how those two worlds are tied together. It's, it gives you an interesting perspective, especially when you're going out of the country. Yeah, for sure. 
So the Brewers Association, which, if you don't know, is a nonprofit trade group that represents small and independent breweries, um, recently put out their growth data of American craft beer in 2017. This report said that the export volume has increased 3.6% and is now totaling 482,309 barrels and is valued at $125.4 million. So that's really good news for American craft beer. Um, it's not just here. They're, they're getting new markets outside of the United States. A lot of the growth was seen in major markets in the Asian Pacific region, uh, which grew 7.4%. Uh, that does not include Japan, which was up 2.6%, and Western Europe saw exports increase by 1.3%. Canada was actually leading the international market for American craft beer, accounting for 51.3% of total exports. This report goes on to also say that there are about 100 small and independent breweries that are exporting their beer from the United States, so that 100 small breweries accounted for $125 million in exports. That's incredible. That's a huge number, much bigger than I would expect. And I think at the same time, it also is pretty great for their domestic uh, production as well, just because they're planning to package things up, put it in very shippable containers, like cans and bottles and six packs to be able to be exported it makes it so much easier to then find distribution in the United States and make their, their beers available elsewhere. So I think this is, this is good news in general, both for the world of craft beer, American craft beer across the world, and for us to be able to enjoy American craft beers here in the States. All right, it's time to answer some of your questions about Untapped. If you've got any questions for us, do us a favor and send them over using the hashtag AskUntapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Today's question is, how can you tell how close you are to unlocking a badge? Obviously, with our leveled badges, you're going to want to know how long until you get the next one, um, or if you haven't gotten the first level, to get an idea of what you need in order to get there. This is very easy to see. Um, by going to a badge's individual page, which you can get to by going to your profile to see all of your badges. And then in there, you will get it broken down into several different categories, which are our local badges, our beer badges, our venue badges, and of course, our special sponsored badges. Once you go in and you tap on a badge itself, you'll be taken to the badge unlock page. If you have unlocked it, you will see your current level. If you haven't, it will just be a little teaser image um, and the description and then the also the hint, which will help you decide what it is that you need to do to unlock it. Um, down below that, you will see a little yellow progress bar. This progress bar tells you how close you are to unlocking that badge. So for instance, uh, Draft City, I have level 5 currently, um, and I have 26 of 30 check-ins towards the next level. So I only need a few more before I am at level 6. As a fun little treat here, you can also scroll down to find out when this badge was created. You can see friends that have earned this badge and also the beers that you have used to unlock it. Obviously not necessarily related to the uh, progress towards unlocking another level, but also interesting nonetheless. And don't forget, if you have a question for us, you can send it over using the hashtag AskUntapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Show notes are available at podcast.untapped.com. And if you've got any questions for us or you have feedback, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Untapped on all those platforms. And if you have a second, please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show and write a little review. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think, and this will help others find our excellent show. 
It's a wonderful show, if I do say so myself. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.